You're listening to MND Matters, a podcast from the MND Association. Welcome to MND Matters, brought to you by the MND Association and sponsored by Toyota GB and Toyota Financial Services. Alongside members of the MND community, we bring you stories, information, and expertise direct to your ears. Remember to subscribe and ensure you don't miss an episode. In this episode, we're delighted to be joined by Misha Grimes, and she's here to talk to us about her experiences uh, of her, her dad, who had MND, John Grimes, who sadly passed away last year. But some of you might know Misha, uh, a social media influencer, but some of you might not know that her dad was living with MND. Misha was one of his carers and is here to talk to us about her experiences. We're really pleased that you're actually coming here and talking to us about your experiences, Misha, because I think a lot of young people certainly don't know what MND yep. is That's and true. certainly don't know what it's like to be a young person being a carer and mm-hmm. that be a parent as well, because that's very, very, uh, I guess, a very unique experience. So thank you for joining us today. But um, before we go into the hard subjects, I think it would be really <laughs> lovely if you, if you just tell us about John, tell us about your dad. Yeah, I mean, I feel like everyone's like, I have the best dad ever. I have the best dad ever, Um, which is fine. Everyone can have the best dad ever because it's their dad. Um, But I always think to describe my dad, it's like a really dry sense of humour that like some people would find really offensive. (laughs) But because I grew up in it, I found it hilarious. I would never admit to him that he was hilarious. Like he was one of those people that you, you couldn't feed the ego of him being funny. Like we used to literally in our family have like a ranking of who was the funniest and whenever I read out the ranking I'd put myself at the top I did not deserve to be at the top I'm like second or third place at this point but I would never tell him that um but yeah we were just a really close family like I don't think from what I hear about other people's dads I don't think he was a normal dad like my parents brought us up very much like we were adults from like the get-go like nothing was off limits like they were like you know we're here to guide you in this world and obviously encourage you to do the right things. Um, but he also was just himself. Like he would give us opinions on our outfits and say whether, you know, the patterns clashed or the colours matched. Like he was just a character um, and he defo made an impact on everyone's life that he was a part of for sure. <laughs> That's such a lovely way to describe a parent. It sounds more like a friend than a Yeah, parent. definitely. Definitely. Like, I'm so very lucky. And I know that when I have kids one day, like I will do a very similar thing to my parents, because although obviously they had authority and they were my parents, I still felt like I could tell them everything. Like my dad knew everything, everything that was happening in the girls group chat, like all the dramas with the boys. Like my dad literally knew every single detail. <laughs> uh, so if we can then, could you tell us what it was like um, when he received the diagnosis of MND and what it was like for you as a family? Yeah, so this is a bit of like a grey area for me because I think it almost took me by so much surprise that like I don't even really remember that time. This would have been like almost three years ago now, so obviously my brain's going to be a little bit foggy anyway. But all I can remember is we used to sit and have like our family dinners every single night during the week and I remember dad was going for a doctor's appointment and I know that there was like I remember he having like um shakes in his body and things like that but obviously I didn't think anything of it because you never think anything of it you know you're always like oh that'll be fine that's fine um and then I just remember 
sitting down at the dinner table and I don't really remember receiving the news but then the next thing I remember is being in bed and like crying my eyes out and that's kind of all I remember from that conversation and it's all I remember for quite a bit of time like I feel like in my head I can slowly recognize the decline that my dad had um but gluing all those pieces together like I think my brain's probably like trying to protect me um mm. it doesn't want for that time but we very much as a family kind of dealt with it in a different way than a lot of people like we kind of were in denial which I feel like a lot of people would say is a really negative thing um because obviously you're not facing like the truth of what's about to happen but honestly I don't think we would have got through it if we didn't have that denial because it's kind of the thing that kept us going it's the thing that kept us fighting and I know that everyone deals with things so differently my dad was quite a private man so that's that's how he wanted to deal with it he wanted to deal with it just between all of us um and it worked for us but then also it definitely caught up with me later down the line. I remember, I think it was maybe like three weeks before he passed away. Um, his breathing was really, really weak. And I basically got woken up at like five o'clock in the morning and I had to ring an ambulance. And I remember um, the paramedic saying like, you girls need to start accepting that like he's not going to be here for much longer and that just completely rocked my world because I knew he was unwell I knew you know that there was a timeline but I don't think I ever actually like accepted or processed that there was a timeline um so that was the day that I feel like my world crumbled because I had to accept the fate that was coming and before then I hadn't so in a way you could be like, oh, it's horrible that obviously the world crumbled at that point. But for me, I'm like, well, I got to live with that two years of just like continuing our life and like still trying to create memories. But obviously it was in a time of COVID. So that kind of changed a lot of things and it made things in some ways a lot more difficult. And obviously there was like that extra fear of like, I didn't want to go out because I run the risk of bringing it home to dad. But also like it kind of, gave us an excuse to be a family and to not go out and see people so obviously it was the most dreadful thing that's happened in the world but it kind of made it that slightly bit easier for us as a family just to be us and like not have any outside interference and just you know focus on helping dad and looking after dad which was obviously like our main priority with everything yeah it, it sort of uh the only benefit of having to be in a lockdown and be like uh, I guess away from other people meant that you could just be together um, yeah and, yeah <clears throat> so you were a full-time carer for your dad what was that like for you yeah I mean this is the whole thing of like it being very private and us being very close like if we got to the point where we felt like we needed it, which right near the end, we actually did have um, a palliative care member who now actually feels like part of our family. Like if you would have told me beforehand that this random person comes into your house and like sleeps in the room and like, like I would never have wrapped my head around any of it, but once you've experienced it, like you completely understand it. So I think anyone that works in that field is just incredible because it was my own dad. Like I, I didn't, recognize that that was wild to look after your own family like when 
nurses would come in like they would be like what like you and your sister and your mum are doing this like that's crazy I was more of like a I'd say part-time it was my sister and mum that were more full-time because I lived in London and with Covid and everything it was very difficult to like come back and forth but it was kind of like those last two weeks that I think my sister had kind of got to the point where she couldn't take it anymore like she was at breaking point and I could see that and my mum needed to look off all, after all the stuff and like make all the plans and like it was those two weeks where I was having to accept the fate that was coming and it was literally the hardest two weeks of my entire life because I could just see what was happening right in front of me and it was kind of all it wasn't all on me but I was doing like majority of the looking after for him but I wouldn't change a single second of those two weeks because I know that when like the going got tough, like I was there for him and like he brought me into this world, like he brought me up and the fact that I could then do that for him, like, God, it was so hard. It was so tough, but I would never change that because I know that then I was his rock when he's been mine for like whenever I was growing up. So I never really thought before about like young carers and like what people go through, but like, it's just immense when it's your own family I feel like it's different because you just have that love for them anyway and then I think about like one of my best friends I didn't know her at the time when I was going through all of this it's and she's been around for a year now so it seems like she's not a new friend um but she actually was a carer in her past and like I just the thought of doing that for somebody else and being there for somebody else's family like it just blows my mind and I think it's absolutely beautiful mm. And is there anything that you have thought about since that, like, I guess, because you've got quite a young audience and they yeah. might find themselves in the position that you've been in. Um, no one wants to be in that position, but it's almost like a, a second sense just kicks in, doesn't it? But is there any sort of advice you would give to any anyone listening to this that might be going through what you went through? I think it's patience and that's so difficult. And I almost think that is the almost like drawback maybe of being family because like you can snap at each other you can you know what I mean like if it's your own family like you argue you bicker so I know there were points where like maybe I was doing something and I wasn't doing it right and like my dad didn't mean anything by it but obviously he's struggling he's in pain so he'd snap at me or say something and I had to learn when that would occasionally happen to not to not like let it hit me, to not let it touch me, because he is just trying to explain. He wasn't someone that liked to rely on people. Like he was very much like, look after himself, so independent. So that role reversal, like I know he struggled with. So anytime I felt like I was really struggling with it or he maybe didn't have the most patience with me, I needed to have double the amount of patience so that I wouldn't snap back at him or say anything that, you know, I didn't mean or anything like that. So it's just, you know, at the end of the day, like you, you love this family member with all of your heart. And if they're struggling, they might say things that they don't necessarily mean. And I think I just had to learn to not take everything on my chest. Yeah, such brilliant advice. It's just in that moment, it's remembering that, isn't it? Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. And you've been using your platform to raise awareness for MND, haven't you? And I know that you, as a family, everything was very private at the time. Um, but since then, you've really done an amazing job of telling people what MND is. And, and you've set up uh, a much-loved page that's already raised over £16,000 for the MND Association. You did the Brighton Marathon as well, didn't you? So um, 
how have you found this as a, I guess, a tool for putting your grief somewhere? I, I don't want to assume that's what you've done, but. No, totally, totally. The minute, like, I knew that we were coming towards the end, like, it almost was like that fuel in the fire kind of thing, because I knew that I didn't want anybody else to have to go through this. So I always saw it as, if I can do something, I can't save my dad. I can't go back in time. I can't change what happened. And obviously, if I could do anything in the world, I'd do that. But if I can stop somebody else from going through it, then I will put all my time and effort into that. And that's kind of why I, I felt this was so, so, so important. And like, I know now, MND and working with MND will be part of my life forever. Like, there's, it's never not going to be because they were there for my family when we needed them and I want to be the same for somebody else even like the marathon like I I still can't really believe that I ran a marathon like it's a bit wild <laughs> um, memory that. but I started running kind of as a way to cope when my dad wasn't well like it was the place that I could go and you know zone out some music and just be within nature um, and I remember I used to come home after every run and he'd be like how far did you go now like how far did you get and it kind of became like part of our relationship, like me doing the running. And I mean, I was no big runner. It was, you know, 5Ks, 6Ks, very, very occasional 10K. And I never even considered doing a marathon in the past. Like I'd never even really thought about it. And it was kind of like on a whim that I was just kind of like, I'm going to do the marathon. <laughs> I don't think I really realized what I signed myself up for. <laughs> uh, but it's honestly like one of the most incredible things I've ever done in my entire life. And I think although obviously I signed up a bit blasé, like I knew because of all the things that I went through with my dad, like I knew I had the mental strength to get through it. And I always say to anyone that is training for a marathon or wanting to do a marathon, of course, your physical is such a huge part of it. Your training, like the dedication that you take to training and stuff like that, it's massive. But on the day, it's your mental toughness that keeps you going. And like, I thought that I would spend the entire day crying my eyes out. Like, I thought it'd be <laughs> such a great experience for me. And like, I'd be really sad. I was so happy. Like, I was so, so happy to see so many people doing such amazing things, such amazing charities. It wasn't until I was like by myself that I didn't start like absolutely tearing up because I'd realised, you know, what this was all for. But yeah, it was honestly like the most heartwarming day. And I can't wait to continue to fundraise. And it just feels like it gives me like such a purpose. And it kind of makes it a little bit less bitter and a bit more sweet, because I can also continue his legacy by doing this. And you know, he, he is a private person. So he wouldn't care if you know, people knew who he was or didn't know who he was and obviously you have someone like Rob who's shared the whole experience and like as a family like we just think that's so inspiring and so incredible that wasn't dad he wasn't an in the moment person and that's fine because that's how he felt with it that's how he wanted to deal with it but he knew and you know we had conversations about what would happen if there ever wasn't after him so I know that you know he's there holding my hand and supporting all of it every single step of the way that's lovely. And I'm sure he'd be exceptionally proud. <laughs> and I know it's it's close to the one year anniversary, isn't it, of him dying? Are, are you and your family planning anything? 
yeah we we can't help ourselves like it was his 60th birthday back in March and um we went down to Cornwall um because we basically had a really lovely family holiday there um a few years before he got unwell so we went to all the same places and like relived all the memories and as a family that's very much how we cope like I know some people don't like to speak about it or you know everyone copes with grief very differently and I've learned that so much when on when my dad first died like my mum was quite angry and my sister was like you can't be angry like you know we, we need to be grateful that we've had him for the amount of time that we've had him and that always stuck in my head and I'm like okay that's how that's how we need to live by grateful that I got him for as long as I got him but we talk about him constantly we make jokes about it which some people will probably find incredibly uncomfortable but that's just what we're like and we kind of relive all those memories that we had with him um so the one year is definitely something that scares me because it's really strange I would almost rather wish it was yesterday than it was a year ago and that probably doesn't make sense in terms of like the healing journey, because obviously I'm so much stronger now than I was a year ago. But I just I hate the thought of it, him being further from my current life. So that's where, although I don't wish it was yesterday, I wish I had him in my life yesterday. So the thought of it being a whole year without him being in my life that's scary I'm not gonna lie that's daunting um but I know as a family like we're gonna make it such a special day um and we're actually gonna go back to the pub that we went to the night that everything happened because we knew we needed to get out of the house that like, we knew we needed to get some fresh air and one of the most painful nights of my life but I still have positive memories of it um and I think that's what we've been so like clear to do with everything and you know we're we're not pretending we're not sad and we don't cry we don't not cry and you know we accept all our emotions but we try and make everything a positive and like that was very much my dad like he was a very positive person like he's not the kind of person that would wake up in the morning on the wrong side of the bed like that wasn't him like he was very much like always joking always laughing and we want to keep that going within the family um so that's why even if it's the toughest day we still we still want to make sure that we've got positive memories and like I know that we will continue to celebrate every birthday every anniversary and um obviously the one year anniversary and the anniversary over a year is a sad day but I also look forward to it because it means I get time with my family and I get even more time to reflect on him and feel like he's still a part of us that's really lovely is is there anything that you wanted to share or reflect on um, or anything that you, you thought was important to say on, on the podcast? Honestly, I don't know, because I think everyone needs to hear something different at a time like this. Like, there's not one, you know, fixed answer that would help everyone that's going through grief. And I definitely learned that through the internet. Like, after Dad passed away, I started searching for pages and like you know different accounts and things that would help support me because I'm the first person to even if you're surrounded by a room of people going through the same thing like you still can feel alone you can still feel like you're the only one in the world going through this which obviously is not the case and that's why I really wanted to bring it onto my platform and share it on the internet because I didn't want anyone to think that they were alone and, you know, that they they were going through this by themselves because that's not the case. But I think it's finding the people online and in your real life 
that help you in that way like maybe they grieve in a similar way and they bring you up and stuff like that like I have certain friends that get it more than other people do so they're the friends that I lean on um and I do just think like about having that bubble around you you know always looking out for you like it's so important and it's very easy I know at the beginning for everyone to be there for you you know it's just happened people are you know very forthcoming but it's those people that keep on checking in that are the people that you can rely on for the rest of your life and I know I have those people and I'm so grateful and I'm so lucky to have those people in my life but there are also people like that on the internet that are just looking to help other people um and I'm grateful that I get to be one of those people and you know as I said I don't have the one one true answer or you know I'd be magically better and it would all be fine but just talking about it has definitely been my biggest part probably because I lived in the denial for so long that I protected myself for so long that I know that I can't do that anymore so I've kind of had to face it head on which has been very difficult but also it has made me feel closer to dad so I'll take it. Mm. And I think it's worth us saying here now if if anyone feels affected by anything that Misha's talked about or is listening to this and it sort of made you think actually I, I want to reach out I want to talk to somebody we've got our MND Connect helpline and we'll include the link in the pod, podcast description to uh, some children and young people's resources that we have because we have a, a wonderful team of staff here who support young people through MND it's everyone's experience is very different but it's nice to know that there's people that understand that are there to talk to and also if anyone feels inspired by your story and like the fundraising that you're doing and the awareness raising that you're doing we would love volunteers like we always need volunteers for the MD association and we have lots of local things that happen and we always not to stereotype but we desperately need people to help us with our social media so if there's any young <laughs> volunteers that want to help locally please do reach out to us we'll include some details on how you can get in touch with us about that in the podcast description because yeah we would love anyone who thinks yep i really am affected by your story and i want to help there's ways that people can help so thanks for coming thanks for being here and sharing your story so publicly because it, it really does mean a lot to a lot of people oh don't be silly thank you guys so much for having me you've been listening to mnd matters a podcast from the mnd association Find more information at mndassociation.org. If you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, contact our helpline MND Connect on 0808 802 6262 or email mndconnect at mndassociation.org.